He is risen indeed, and our joy shall indeed have no end. In the name of our risen Lord Jesus, the giver of good news and the giver of joy, my dear friends, fellow heirs of the resurrection. Well, dear COVID friends, what a year this has been so far. Got off to kind of a nice start and then whammo. You know, at first when the COVID news hit and the lockdown began and the social distancing began, we were all really bewildered. Nobody really knew what to do. It's hard to criticize politicians because they really didn't know what to do either. We need to be gentle with them because we didn't really know ourselves what was the right thing to do. But man, has it had a cost. Initially, it was like a weird sort of camping where you kind of got some unexpected downtime and you had to, your business kind of changed. Some people got laid off and, and it, they thought, well, maybe this will only last for a week. Well, here it's like two months later now and it just grinds on, doesn't it? And it's really starting to bite. Our world really has been changed, and it sure is much easier to see the negatives than the positives, isn't it? Think of all the people who have lost money trying to invest in businesses. They'd leverage themselves right up, all the way up to their neckline, and this just wiped out their business. They have no margin, no reserve, and no money to start up when it comes time. Think of all of the retirees who saw 20-30% of their finances wiped out, the savings that they needed to live on, or the people who are trying to save up saw a big chunk of their retirement savings just evaporate. All the people who've been furloughed or laid off, or businesses already that have closed down. During this, I mean, who would have thought it, during this COVID-19 crisis, Neiman Marcus, the great flagship of consumer capitalism, has gone bankrupt. J.C. Penney, for Pete's sake, their catalog used to be this thick. It weighed 20 pounds, or at least it felt like it weighed 20 pounds. J.C. Penney, uh, 80 years ago, was like the Amazon, where you could get everything, and if it wasn't in the J.C. Penney catalog, you didn't need it. You could get anything you wanted, and it would be shipped to you. Bankrupt this week. Good grief. You know what's even worse than that? Losing money is bad, but think of all the people. This is really starting to, to bite. Over 80,000 deaths now. I'm not even sure what the latest total is. Nobody even has completely accurate numbers, but it's a lot. Think of all of the people who are now uh, in nursing homes or uh, assisted living facilities that their relatives can't visit. They're there by themselves, and the best they can do is get a phone call. Think of all the people who've tried to have family gatherings, weddings where you can have no guests, worse, funerals. People who have to die without their family there nearby, have to die with only medical personnel. And then to try to have a funeral where you can acknowledge the significance of somebody's life. That's very painful to people when they cannot have the human big gatherings that are such a big part of the healing process. This is really hurting. And you know, at the root of it all is the scariest thought of all, where our face is being shoved right into our own mortality. The COVID virus can attack out of nowhere. You can't see it coming. You may have it for weeks before any symptoms show up and you have no idea where it came from, and you have no idea whom else you might have communicated it to. That invisible menace 
is so scary, and it makes us face our own mortality. And you know, that is what seems to be the bleakest part is the pivot point to turn it into the best part of this crisis. Just as the coronavirus is going to be changing businesses to pivot and find ways to communicate with and market to people using digital media, and our, our world is never going to go back to the way it was. Being aware of our mortality and the shortness of human life being aware of how quickly things can be over, being aware of how short our time strutting around on this planet is, is not a bad thing. Having some of our idols taken away from us, the chase for wealth, uh, idolizing sports heroes, being fascinated by movie heroes and heroines, maybe that's not such a bad thing to realize what's the real meaning of my life why am I here and where am I going? I'd like to dig into a masterful piece of scripture today to give you some encouragement in the pit of this COVID-19 crisis. It's words that describe our living Lord Jesus who's coming back for his people, coming back for people that need him. And those who are aware of that need uh, as, Dan, as the prophet Daniel said, you heard it a few minutes ago, the people whose names are written in the book, that's a synonym or a metaphor for believers, do not have to fear, for they are known to the Lord and connected to Christ. They are bulletproof and immortal. Our lives will never end as our joy will never end. I'd like to tell you a story from the book of First Thessalonians. You have to kind of wrap your mouth around that big word. Thessalonica, today it's called, uh, the Greeks have gone back to calling it by a new name, uh, very close to the old name, Thessaloniki, is a port city in northern Greece. That region was called Macedon, the Greeks called it, Macedonia. And it's, it's, uh, it has a, like a twin relationship with Greece forever. They spoke Greek although at times they were governed independently. The Greeks themselves were never really world conquerors. They got famous with their language, with their learning, with their uh, plays and writings, with their literature, their dramas, their music, their mathematics, their architecture and design and their art. Uh, their learning made them a dominant culture in the Eastern Mediterranean. But except for their cousins, their wild cousins to the north, the Macedonians, they weren't really empire builders. The Macedonians were, though, and uh, Philip and his son Alexander, called the Great, were indeed world conquerors, and they spread the Greek language and style of government all over. And in fact, uh, in this way, we get our words democracy from the Greeks because they helped to spread those ideas of public input uh, by many different people into public affairs. So democracy comes from two Greek words, and those words were spread by Alexander's mighty rampage of conquest all the way to the Indus River in what is today Pakistan. You know, the Macedonians... Took, uh, gave their name to this, uh, their port city, the largest of their cities, based on a victory that Philip had won when he heard on the same day that he had uh, succeeded in conquering the region of Thessaly. Uh, he found out that same day that he had a baby daughter. 
And so he decided to call her victory over Thessaly, Thessalonike. Nike is the Greek word for victory. So he named his daughter uh, after the fact that there was a victory in, uh, over the, the region of Thessaly to his south. And then that also became the name of what became the most important city. Now, let me tell you how there came to be Christians in Thessalonica. It's a, it's a natural harbor. It's a beautiful place for, uh, for commerce and trade because it's all protected and sheltered. Uh, Milwaukee has a beautiful bay, but this was 10 times as good a sheltered place where ships could get out of storms and you could have a deep water port. Thessalonica was also on the main interstate highway, the land bridge between the Black Sea uh, to the east and the Adriatic Sea on the west. It was like uh, the Ignatian uh, interstate highway. It was, uh, this, so this was a natural crossroads like here, the, the sea trade bringing goods up the Balkan Peninsula and then the land trade going sideways. And Thessalonica became the dominant city. In fact, even today, it's, even though Greece is a small nation, Thessaloniki today uh, probably is uh, half the size of Milwaukee. It still is a bustling city. Unlike many of the cities of biblical times, it still exists, it's still there. Now, what's interesting about Paul coming there on his second missionary journey, Paul had left Asia and his second missionary journey brought about the very significant step forward in God's plan to bring the gospel to the world. In that, it, the gospel went from Asia to Europe, and the first place he stopped was Philippi, a town that had seen greater days. Its, its glory days were gone. It was a mining town, and the mines were played out. Philippi was also the scene of the great civil war battle, sort of like the Gettysburg of the ancient world. And Paul and uh, his companions at that time, after visiting Philippi, began to walk on the Ignatian Highway on the interstate and walked to the next big city, which was Thessalonica. And they went to the Jewish synagogue to find some friends and get a start. But the hostility was so great that Paul was driven out. He only was able to stay there three weeks. Now, what do you suppose happens to a baby congregation where you have just a, basically a few house churches. Well, I'll tell you what, they had not been very thoroughly taught. They, were, they still had a lot of confusion about the basics of Christianity. Another is that they sort of felt abandoned. Now, St. Paul, unlike today, uh, like I'm, I'm kind of a resident, I've been here forever. Paul was only there for three weeks. And the people missed him and needed more nurturing. It's like, it's like a baby being abandoned by her mama, uh, crying for mama. And these people were struggling with the idea that they felt abandoned. Like, why do you have to leave us? You need to come back here. We miss you. And that unfortunately led to them suspecting that they were being manipulated and there were attacks on Paul's authority. Also, they were starting to get squeezed by official hostility from their Roman uh, uh, their Roman government, and they didn't know how to deal with persecution. They needed some encouragement. They needed some basic teaching on how Christians live, the different way, the different mindset and spirit that Christians bring to their daily lives. And maybe most important of all, Paul wrote quite a bit on this, is they were kind of confused about the end times. There were probably several things going on that were messing up their thinking. First, 
they were in a bit of a panic because they'd heard that Christ is returning. They thought they might have missed it because they're still here. Did we miss it? Did, he, did the train come somewhere and we didn't get on? Is it too late? And Paul needed to let them know, no, this is still in the future. It's urgent, but still in the future. Then they were worried, did the people who died, did they miss the train? If somebody died, are they going to be left behind and only the living are going to go to heaven? And so Paul is going to address that question too. And then, sad to say, okay, they got the part about Jesus will be here any minute, but then unfortunately some of them began to say, why work? They quit their jobs. Why am I busting it if Jesus is going to be here any minute and everything's going to be burnt up anyway? And this was just as bad. They, they had quit their jobs and started scrounging off other people. So to the Thessalonians, St. Paul had one of his most intense batches of teaching on the necessity and value, the nobility and dignity of working. If you don't work, you don't deserve to eat either, basically, is what he said. Now, let's talk a little bit about what he had to say about the return of Christ. And our chunk of scripture for today celebrates the fact that the resurrection of Christ changes everything. If you take your Bible, if you would please, and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, here is the most magnificent gospel encouragement of the resurrection I know of in the whole Bible. Uh, I'd encourage you to learn this by heart, this last paragraph, learn it by heart, because you not only want to say it to yourself when you get blue or confused or think you've hit a brick wall or you feel empty or impoverished or your life feels pointless or you feel like a loser, like there's no success, like you feel like everything's going down, down, down. And not only that you have something to tell yourself, but that you've got something to say in a hospital room or at a sickbed of someone whose life is fading. You've got something better to talk about than sports and the weather. Let's, uh, let's dig into this. First Thessalonians 4 verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. He's going to say that three times, fall asleep. He's getting that from Jesus. Jesus said that about when he was going to perform one of his three resurrections from the dead, he said, that's all right, this child is only sleeping. And everybody made fun of him, hooted at him for underestimating what a serious problem death is. And Jesus knew that death is not going to be a problem to the one who had himself died, gone through it, and risen again because the resurrection breaks the power of death. Three times in this little paragraph, St. Paul is going to call death asleep. And that's the same reason you don't go into a panic when you're taking a nap. Oh, geez, oh dear Lord God, what if I don't wake up again? Of course you're not going to wake up. You, naps are wonderful, aren't they? I love naps. Love them more every year I get a little bit older. My naps get more and more fun all the time. And I love them, and I'm not afraid of them. I don't have to be afraid of my casket either. It's just my little bunk where I'm going to take a little nap for my body. I don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. If they're just sleeping, they'll wake up again. Or to grieve like other people who have no hope. You can grieve at funerals. You can grieve 
but not the bitter grieving of goodbye forever. You can grieve because of how much you miss somebody, but you can be happy for that person and for God because the fact that your parting makes it possible for your loved one's reunion with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can grieve because of the significance of the, what the person gave to your life. You can grieve because of the physical weakness that brought death about. But you can look forward without any grief at all, with nothing but joyful anticipation. Why? Because you have hope. And here is the hope, and it's laid out in three pieces, and each one is very important. The first piece is we believe that Jesus died. Now, ordinarily, thinking about somebody's death doesn't cheer you up when you're grieving a death, but this one will. Jesus' death made the payment for the sins of the world. That's why there's death in our world in the first place. That's why there's COVID-19. When Adam and Eve were flirting with the devil and entertaining his thoughts and suggestions in their minds, they elected to embrace him. It's like kissing the devil on the lips. To be tempted is not to fall into sin, but to cave in and to embrace Satan's philosophy is like downloading a virus into your brain that takes over everything, and it poisoned their bodies too so that they would transmit it, this attitude of rebellion to their children. Adam and Eve and all their children, including you and me, have embraced the culture of death by embracing rebellion against God, which only leads to death. But Jesus died, and his death accepted the blame for the sins of the world on himself. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. His death means that he is now the Lamb of God who can take away the sin of the world. And because he died, God accepted his death in place of ours. And for us now, death is not really death. It's only a transition. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. The resurrection of Jesus guarantees that the Father accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. And the resurrection of Jesus guarantees our resurrection as well. We believe that Jesus rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus, here's number three, those who have fallen asleep in him. Notice the in him, extremely important. That means that our believers. If you have a relative or loved one who dies, and you're pretty sure that person had complete lack of interest in Jesus, knew the gospel but didn't want any part of it, you can cry away at a funeral like that because that just might be farewell forever. But when we lay someone to rest in Christ, a believer in Christ, we don't have to argue with God that they were good enough to deserve it. We may simply accept Jesus' gift, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of God's favor, and the promise to wake up our bodies and the reality that our spirits the minute we die on this earth, fly straight to heaven. This is the promise. Now, here's what Judgment Day is going to look like. Here's, here's what we can joyfully anticipate. According to the Lord's own word, he's telling this to these Thessalonians. Remember, they're all kind of confused about the last, what the last day is going to look like. 
we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede. That means to get ahead of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, dying is not going to cheat you out of enjoying the day of Christ's return. In fact, they get in line first and the living have to get to the back of the line. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And with these words, I do hope to encourage you today. The COVID scare has whacked us in all the things we thought we enjoyed. And it's kind of a warning to be careful of where we put our love, our energy, our attention, and our trust. We found out painfully again how quickly money can simply evaporate. Your social standing, your rank in your company, even your company itself can simply evaporate. All the things you thought were important can simply be taken away from you. And diseases you cannot see or predict or anticipate or even fend off are going to come after you and stalk you as long as you live. Now that can lead you to really daily blues and horrible depressions. Or it can lead you to change your thing of worship from things and yourself and instead give your worship to Christ. These are incredible words. These three promises of the resurrection change everything. Jesus died, so you are forgiven. Jesus rose, so your forgiveness is guaranteed. All who trust and believe in Jesus will rise again. Here is your promise of immortality. That's your true treasure. Let this COVID time increase in you a joy and appreciation of the great treasures you have in the gospel promises. And as, as you tell these stories to yourself, to comfort your own heart, to keep looking ahead with joy and anticipation and realize all my good days are not behind me, but my best days are yet to come, you've got something to say to the people around you. Something more important than sports teams, something more important than what kind of vacations you're going to go on or all the different ways you're finding to make money and spend money and show off with what you've been able to pile up. Here is something more important to talk about, the best conversation in the world. This triple promise coming from St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, a bunch of people who were confused about the end times but now comforted about the end times will be a comfort for you and give you something that you can say to the people around you so you can take them along with you. It may be right now that people are ill, isolated from their families, but through prayer and our telephones, we are able to give them words of encouragement. It may be that we are not able to have funerals, but you will find ways to communicate and soon enough we'll be able to be back together. Here is a message of something that will last, that unconditionally Christ Jesus loves you and me so much that he died for us, rose again for us, 
and is coming back to raise us up as well. This is good news for God's people. Amen.